It's the Craggy Wooden Podcast. It's the away edition to the Southern Kings. We didn't make it down to the Southern Hemisphere. Our budget doesn't quite stretch to that. Uh, my name's Alan Deegan. I was in Murty Rabbits today. And we heard the thoughts of Shane Mulryan and the legendary Pinky on the in-match audio today. We'll also hear post-match audio from Andy Friend, from Kings coach Robbie Kempson and their captain JC Astle. We also hear from our Southern Hemisphere correspondent Morgan Peake, who chats to William. And then myself and William have a chat about the match and the possibility of the coronavirus having such an impact on the season. So hopefully um, that will die down soon and we can concentrate on the rugby. So, here's the podcast. OK, 20 minutes into the game. I'm in Marty Rabbits in the clan bar and I've got shame at me. Lots happened in 20 minutes, Shane. Yeah, we started so well. Great to see the two quick scores. Um, bit critical of the referee, I have to say. Uh, but uh, hopefully we can push on. Yeah, that red card was a bit strange. TMO yeah. didn't want to give a red, but the ref yeah. definitely wanted it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it will be rescinded, I, I think. Um, yeah. It has to be because it was a fair. It's a yellow in, in the way it goes nowadays. But as I said, it's kind of a. He's ruined the game a bit now for, for, for everyone to watch. Okay, so 20 minutes gone, 14 nil to Connacht, but they have a red card. We'll talk again at half time. Okay, half-time score. Connacht lead by three. It's been a hell of a half. I have Pinky, who's going to join in and give us his thoughts about some interesting refereeing decisions. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we were, we were looking at maybe a, a kind of a nice stroll by the seaside there for a while, and the referee obviously thought, you know, we'd, we'd prefer to have a bit of a match on our hands. The fans deserve a bit of entertainment, so let's level it up a small bit. So I approve of the decision, really. I like, you know, you're going to come all the way to the pub on a Sunday afternoon. You may as well watch a competition. So you know, uh, 14 against 15. We are born. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay, that's that's one view you could take on it. I'm not sure it's the view most of the Connacht fans that have. Shane, I don't think you agree. <laughs> ah, it's Pinky's unique uh, humour, I think. There. Uh, uh, look, the most important thing is uh, we're we're back in the lead uh, at halftime, uh, down against uh, 13 players we had. So, it's we're back up to 14 now, and again, hopefully, the second half we can push forward a bit. Again, the referee, bit of a questionable uh, some decisions, but I said you have to play the ref as well. We're used to that, anyways, over the years. So, said hopefully we we'll push on now the second half. Let's hope indeed. Right, we'll talk again on 60 minutes. 60 minutes gone, I'm back with Shane. Connacht lead 22-19. It's more of a game again now. Connacht seem to have calmed down since, since the break, but a good try from Carty. Yeah, they did, and I think Pinky has got his wish of a, a, a good close match. Um, but yeah, it was, it's good to see they, they played well, they got a very good try. Uh, Jack is playing pretty good, he's, he's turning them around as well, which is good to see. Um, that, that last try that they got, though, was... A little bit of a kind of a, a punch, but I said we've a good good position here. Hopefully we can we can make something out of it, and I said get that fourth try. That'd be nice. Yeah. Win would be good enough for me. Ah, <laughs> be greedy here. We need the five points. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk again on full time. Well, Pinky, that was entertaining. Was that what you were looking for? Yeah, that was that was in the director's cut of the script. Yeah, the, the Pinky cut. Yeah, um, yeah, all goes well. I think uh, 
you know, triumphant adversity should be worth uh, six points uh, on the table. Hopefully they'll maybe get stuck in Vintook for a couple of days on the way back and really build the camaraderie in the team. So, yeah, the assault on the uh, top of the conference starts here. Excellent, Jess. A good 29 points to 19 win. Well, we got there in the end. We did, yeah. I mean, hard work of it. But, um, ah, look, I said, the important thing is we got the old five points. Problem is, a few more injuries. Um, but as Pinky said, uh, it was an entertaining-ish match. It was indeed. Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'm really proud of the boys. Um, you know, we had uh, a moment there with, with 13 men on the field, which we leaked 14 points. We had another moment at the end of the game with 14 or another 30 men on the field. So um, knowing that Kings are tough at home to, uh, to go down two men uh, or one man for, for a long, long period of time um, and then two men at different periods of time, very proud that we found a way to win that. I thought his game management was outstanding. You know, he he just found that back right pocket and just kept kept turning them, didn't give them access to the game. I, I thought uh, we call them our bouncers, our reserves that come on when they came on. I thought they were outstanding as well. So, um, and I'll pay a compliment to our skipper Jared Butler. I thought he was brilliant. Just from from the outset, he just he gets through a mountain of work. And on a on a hot day like that, which we're not used to, we don't get much sunshine and, and warmth in Galway. Um, there's a lot of character shown there. I think what's happened at the moment is is we are looking at uh, protecting the play, which we need to do. Uh, the angles I saw, and I could hear the team saying it's starting on the chest and moving up. The referee saw a different angle of that. That's that's rugby at the minute, so we have to wear that. Um, yeah, so we did wear that, and we managed to fight our way through. I, listen, I think that the travel schedule for the Cheetahs and the Kings is incredibly difficult. So that will take its toll, without a doubt. Um, the only advantage, if there is, there is one, when especially this time of year you come down here, you're on a hard track, you're on beautiful conditions that's a lot warmer than you used to. We've been playing, like we trained in snow on last Tuesday before we came out. Um, you could see in our big fellas they found that really, really tricky. So uh, there's probably an advantage um, or a disadvantage if the European team coming down, but you're only down for two games. I think the travel schedule of what the Kings and the Cheetahs go through is, is phenomenal. They do they do a great job to, to stay in it. We've got coach Robbie Kempson and uh, captain JC Astor. To be quite frank about everything, we we put a plan in place throughout the week. Uh, we have the best, I think, attacking coach in world rugby in Swayze De Brain assisting us. And then we butcher four opportunities in the first half. Um, you just can't do the rugby. Yes, the red card and all the rest of it, fine. But if you butcher four opportunities, 28 points potentially, uh, you're never going to win a game of rugby. So, And then, again, their the game management was excellent in that second half. They slowed down the game to less than a walk. I don't know how many times poor JC was told by me to tell the referee to speed up the game. Um, it took them over a minute and a half with that first penalty in the second half just to get to the line-out. Um, so that's off to them, they got away with it, but it's not the reason why we lost, it's, but I think the game management could have been subtly better with regards to them slowing it down and us trying to speed it up. These players should be experienced enough to realise they need composure, particularly in that sort of situation. Yes, we did manage to score a couple of tries, but then again, we butchered four opportunities. Uh, you just don't get those opportunities back in Pro 14. Um, you do in Super Rugby, you don't. And then, as I said, their game management, as we... 
saw when we played them away from home. They kept us in that far right corner. They did exactly the same thing to us and we just didn't manage to control the game positively from there. We've got about a three-week break, so they will get time off, which I think they need after three games in a row. Uh, hopefully to freshen up mentally is the most important thing at this present time. But uh, there will be a, a, a big focus on conditioning between now and then. And you know, I think we need to look at, you know, thankfully, young Tian got an opportunity today. I think went relatively well. I think that there are a number of other youngsters within our pool of players that perhaps deserve an opportunity as well. <laughs> Without a doubt, because every second message was to, to tell the players to speed the game up. And never happened from what I saw. So I would think that there would be quite a heavy conditioning focus going into the break that we might have here. So, so they won't be the players won't be getting a week off for No no they, they still need no 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 trust me they, they <laughs> <laughs> I can cut it now if you want. <laughs> but JC's gonna kill you. <laughs> no they, they need time off. Um, we we anyway when they get time off they get given programs to do regardless. Um, but certainly we, there will be a, a major focus with regards to their conditioning as soon as they get back. No, I think the most important thing, and we've got to stop beating around the bush, we need to win. We need to win a game, we need to win at home, and we need to impress upon the people and our supporters that support us you know, loyally week in, week out, that have a crack at mostly me, which is fine, because they, they're angry. They want, they want um, a result, and I think that's the most important thing. So, you know, generally speaking, in rugby terms, you don't speak about the win, you speak about the process and the roles within the process. But it's, I think it's vital for us to impress upon our supporters and public that we are desperate to get that win for them. Um, it's hard to say. Obviously, we're very disappointed as a team. Um, we still, we, before this game, we had what, nine games left, seven at home. So really wanted to turn the boat around. Um, Obviously, if you see what happened on the field, really disappointed, you know. So, like Coach said, we want to come out and win. Um, that's the only thing the crowd wants and, and the people that support us and the players as well. For mentally, that'll, be, that'll help the squad probably the most. So, yeah, really looking forward to get stuck in. If it's conditioning, if it's whatever we need to be, get done to, to get that, we'll do it. Delighted to say Morgan Peake joins us from Bloemfontein. Connacht have just had a victory in Port Elizabeth, and uh, how did you how did you read that game, Morgan? Yeah, it was an interesting game, and I I think it's a person has to tip the hats off to Connacht for remaining composed and playing smart rugby with fourteen men initially, and then down to thirteen men for quite a big part of the game. I think most games or teams would have folded in a situation like that, but I just think it was absolutely smart rugby putting the ball in behind the Kings attackers and defenders and Jack Carthy was absolutely brilliant this afternoon. Yeah, he had a very good game. Uh, I suppose they were 14-0 up in, in five minutes and I have to say, try not to have my conic glasses on here, but I thought that was a very odd red card. I thought the TMO essentially was suggesting and explaining to the referee it hit it, he, he hit the chest first and his arm slipped up. And I think the ref might have. Um, I, th- I think he just got. I think I think he got that decision wrong. How did you see it? Absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. And I actually wrote that in my report to the forty-two that the as you mentioned now the TMO was suggesting that he must have a good look at it, and he definitely hit the bloke on the chest. 
uh, or Howden he's, he's still I think he milked it a little bit as well because he's still if you remember correctly he went and he got that interception that, which killed that move and then he milked it with the medics in the field all of a sudden giving him attention to that region I think it was a very very harsh red card and this is a standard of refereeing that actually irritates me to no end. The communication between the referees and the TMOs. I wish the TMOs had a little bit more power to say to the referee, you're making the, the, the wrong call instead of just beating around the bush. You should say, listen, you've got the call wrong. You hit him on the chest. I can see it clearly in front of me. Um, change your decision to a yellow card and not a red card. I saw it early in the week with the Varsity Cup game. We, but this went... The other way, where the referee was wanting to give a penalty and the team kept saying to him, just have a good look at it. And then eventually the team said, I think it's yellow card. And then the ref changed his decision to yellow card. So they needs, I, I believe there needs to be clear guidelines and better guidelines between the communication between the officials. And it will also make supporters of either team or rugby lovers a lot happier and feeling a lot better after the game. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I, it's something that uh, drives me to distraction. I, I, I mean, I've seen cases uh, in European rugby up here where, the, where a referee has made a, a said a yellow card and the TMO has said, you want to have a look at that again? I think it might be red. Um, you know, <laughs> even today when the, towards the end of the game, when the Kings player was yellow carded, I'm pretty certain that was the wrong player that actually got the card. But I think what happened there was that the, that the TMO really was saying to the referee, you have to card somebody. And the only yeah. one that could identify it, the worst offence was one of the props coming in from the side. But eventually this, this lad um, got, because he actually said, who me? And I, and I know yeah. players always say that, but it was so obvious that it wasn't him. And it's, yeah, look, it's an issue. Um, I thought in general, actually, I thought his referee was pretty good. He was very clear with his instructions and that sort of stuff. And I know it's hard because he's a local referee. And I think it was Marius Matreo was supposed to be the referee today. But he didn't travel because of the coronavirus because he's from Italy. Um, yeah. but, but the TMOs and the referees have got to work, be work better as a team. And it, Connacht, once they sorted themselves out, and I thought they were pretty good. They sulked a little bit, I thought, for a while. But once Jack Carty and a few of the changes were made. I thought bringing Dave Heffernan on as a ball carrier uh, really gave them an out there and he, he changed his front row very quickly. He was cute with his substitution. So look, they're going to feel that, I suppose they were in, inevitably, you'd have to say they should beat the Kings. They've only won one game this season. Yeah. it's yeah. Just back to a point in the TMOs and that yellow card of Ruan Larim. As you mentioned, the, the referee, and I also thought he had quite a good game. He communicated well with the players, but it was just those couple of decisions that threw me off a little bit. And that particular incident, he still said to the Kings captain, J.C. Astle, because the, they were looking for a number, and the team couldn't give him one. And there was Gerald, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Jared Butler actually said to him it was number 20. <laughs> but since, as a reference, when do you take the captain's word? Because if I was a captain and Dwayne from Yellen was playing against me and he couldn't see it, I'll say that's Dwayne from Yellen that should be sent off. But anyways, it's it's over, it's done. It was quite uh, comical at the time and luckily it didn't really have an impact on the game. Um, 
But I also thought that Andy Friend was brilliant in what he did. And the way that Connick changed the game, being smart enough to realize, okay, we've got two backline players in the bin. Let's play a forward-dominated game. And that's exactly what they did. I felt that Edrich Lowe was brilliant for the Kings. I think that it's got a massive future. And, but it's difficult when you're on the back foot. And this is exactly what Connick did. They, beat, they bullied them up front. If they couldn't use a back line, they simply bullied them with the forwards, and they did it brilliantly. They deserved to win that game. Even if they only had 10 players in the park, they deserved the win. Yeah, and I think... Um, where, where where do you think the Kings go from here now? They've, they've, they've obviously... They've, they've still got a fair bit of rugby to play. Um, they didn't even today get their passing game going, which usually I, I'm looking for them to play a very expansive sort of game but they, they looked a bit out of sorts and they, they had a tough time up here on tour. Yeah, I I think that passing game didn't work today because Connick didn't allow it. That's why I said they, they Connick made sure they won the game with the forwards and allowed their backs to round off where they needed to. And had the Kings forwards, who didn't play badly in my opinion, perhaps played a little bit better, give their back on something to work, they would have done a lot better. I think it's also difficult for uh, Sia Masuka to come in only four games to his name and playing in quite a, a against a team who are in quite good form and played a good game of rugby to get that back line going. It's difficult. The Kings are in such a tough position. Um, they don't even have a head coach. Robbie Kempson is just the interim coach. And as we discussed, by the sounds of it, it could change at the end of the season where there will be a new full-time head coach in. Um, and then, of course, he's going to come in with his own ideas. But if it is a guy that we discussed, who I'm not going to mention now, I yeah. think it's great because there is a local bloke. He knows the local school systems, etc. So I think because he's a local, not that Robbie Kempson isn't local, I just think he might add a lot of value to it. And being a former uh, Curry Cup captain, winning Curry Cup captain, you know, it's he's going to be able to harvest and share a lot of experience with these younger players. That's if he does get appointed in the role in a couple of months' time. But yeah, I think the Kings must just stay positive. They must look at their positive or look at what they've done well and try and work on that. And injuries that plagued them, I can't even tell you how many captains they've had this season. I don't think there's been a single week where they've had continuity where they've been able to select at least a, the same starting 15 as a week prior. It just changes the whole time. So, that, I, yeah, that sinks them. And I've mentioned it numerous times in the past as well. It's so important for the Kings to play in Curry Cup rugby. They can't play first division. They have to play in the Premier League to be able to compete at an international level. Right. So we'll, we'll be sort of saying watch this space again. Let's have a quick look at the Cheetahs. I mean, last night they threw away a point. A 10-all draw became a 13-10 loss uh, on a mud heap in Rodney Parade, uh, which is a very difficult place to play. Um, the local supporters are very vociferous, and they were quite delighted with that win last night. But Cheetahs have got a lot of home rugby to play, um, Morgan, and they're still, they're still fighting for a, a playoff place in Conference A. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my, the only way I can explain what happened in the 85th minute last night was it was a brain fart. It was absolutely stupid what they did. I 
commend them for being courageous and having the belief that they can't do it. But if you can't score more than one try in 80 minutes, there's no way you're going to do it in an 85th minute of the game from behind your own try line against a team that has tackled you out of your socks. So that was a bit stupid. I will be, I, I'm not surprised that Harvey's free is quite disappointed. But if I have to take a look at the positives out of that game, it was by far the worst conditions the Cheetahs did have on tour. In the first half in particular, I thought they were brilliant at the breakdown, where they could control that breakdown and made life difficult for the Dragons. And they played a lot better rugby than what they did against Leinster. And I also felt a lot better than what they did against Ulster in quite a few aspects of the game. Not taking opportunities in the 22 of their opponents has been a bit of the Achilles heel on this tour. Their line-out drive, which has been a powerful weapon for them, hasn't been working for the last couple of games. And we saw it again last night. At least two, three, maybe even four tries could have been scored had that worked properly. But I, I, as I mentioned, I do feel that they played the conditions quite well. And had they won that game last night, it would have been such a major coup for their psyche heading into future tours. So once they get that right, I think they're going to be more of a factor. Um, disappointing that they, with all their tours, that they haven't really managed to do much. But then again, we must also kind of look take it into perspective. Franco Smith left here after three home games. And if I'm not mistaken, Harvest Free's only had one home game in since he's taken over as a coach. Or two home games. One or two. I'm not sure. So that's also quite difficult. But this long stretch of a home game, they're in with it. They've got six home games out of their last eight games. And the other contender, they're two points behind Glasgow Warriors at the moment. And Glasgow have got three away games, or three home games and five away games um, in their last eight. So it's going to be quite a tight race, but it's imperative that the Cheetahs find that recipe and turn winning rate, start turning wins into a habit again. And more importantly, start playing the natural style of rugby. And I think they'll be a lot better off. Um, they've got a bit of a break now, so from our side, hopefully they can fix things that they've learnt or that haven't gone well for them over the past while. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. And I mean, it's uh, Glasgow are certainly a different opposition when they're playing on their plastic pitch at uh, Scotston than they, that they are when they're on the road. And of course, they're coming here on at Easter for what would be a huge, hugely important game for both sides. I know they're in different conferences, but Connick will be desperate for points there. Uh, final quick question. A lot of discussion up here, Morgan, about potentially South Africa joining the Six Nations to become either the Seven Nations or replace Italy. or And it's, it's all died off again. It sort of comes in waves. But is there any discussion down in South Africa? Has this been seriously looked at, that you would leave the rugby championship and Japan would take your place? You hit the nail on the head there by saying it's been coming in waves. It's what two weeks ago or a week ago it ran quite extensively and it's just absolutely died down. Um, to be honest, I've forgotten about it already. Uh, I look, I, I I like the idea of South African team or the Springboks going up to the Six Nations, but then again, 
can South Africa really afford not to play against the All Blacks and the Wallabies every year, the two traditional enemies? Mm. I, I, I wouldn't like it. I feel that the Six Nations is a very European competition and I feel it should stay there. I would like to see more rugby between the Springboks and Northern Hemisphere teams, um, you know, apart from the, the end of year tour. I would love to be able to see the Springboks play against all four home nations every single year. Um, and like, no, if I take uh, uh, the, the June-July test window, the teams that are coming to South Africa, it's Scotland, if I'm not mistaken, but Georgia. You know, it's such an odd fixture to give to the reigning world champions, the Georgia mm. to South Africa. Great, great for Georgian rugby, but what is South African rugby actually going to learn out of it? So, yeah, I would rather see the, the Tri-Nations or the, the, the rugby championship expanded. I really want to see Pacific teams in the tournament, the Tongans or the Samoans or the Fijians. You know, at least two of those teams in it every year. Make it a six-nation team. Japan should play in the north, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that, that, that is potentially the other option because obviously the Six Nations at the moment takes place in the middle of your summer or towards the, you know, it's, it's, it, it would be February, March, which is probably going into your autumn. Um, whereas for Japan, it would be a winter season. I suppose it'll, it'll all come down to money and television, but it's just, it fascinates me. That it's, you know, one week it's story of the week and then it's completely gone again, which suggests to me that it's been whipped up a little bit that there isn't maybe yeah. quite as much substance to this as, as, as is being let on. Yeah. And to me, the other thing is South African franchises have been kept with the amount of players that they're allowed to contract. Now, having said that, with your Super Rugby franchises, because at this point, the, the Pro 14 franchises here don't really get big Springbok representation. Apart from this year, I think Joseph Weber is going to be in the Springboks mix, um, but how long he's talking to me, Cheetah, remains to be seen as far as I know he's going to France. But how are the South African franchises going to compete in the Super Rugby if they don't have their Springboks available for two, three months of the year during the middle of the Super Rugby? Well, that, well, that's the other thing. Could you continue to run Super Rugby and play Six Nations Test matches? I mean, the, the, these are the questions that... Uh, that aren't being asked when you see these articles. They're all very, very bland. But th those are the nitty-gritty details for, for, for the overall package. Morgan, it's been yeah. great to talk to you, uh, as usual. Thank you very much for your help this weekend with audio and stuff. Once we have a few more games played and we're getting a bit further into the real end of the season, we, we'll give you a shout and we'll bring you on again. Fantastic. Always great chatting to you guys. Okay, William... Davis, you're here for trying to talk about this match. We were both watching it separately in a in um our own environments, but um good win in the end, great to get the, the five points. Didn't look like it at one stage. Yeah, it was uh look, you're you're five minutes into the game, you're fourteen nil up and you're cruising, and then we have a another referee. We had a decision last week on a penalty try that Edinburgh rewarded. May not have made that much difference in that game overall, but today, I mean, Peter Robb, red card, wrong decision. We've just heard Morgan Peak in South Africa come up with a similar thing. The TMO explained exactly what happened to the referee, nailed it. 
And the referee either didn't listen to him or didn't understand what he was saying. And Peter Robb got his marching orders when he should have had a yellow card uh, at worst. Yeah. And Connacht's shape went a bit then. They were down to 14. They were under pressure. Kyle Godwin, professional yellow card. I think he put his hand in. He knew they were in trouble. And then they were down to 13. And that really encouraged the Kings. And they got it back from 14 nil down to 14 all. But even right at the end of the first half, very cleverly, uh, Connacht got a won a scrum penalty, which I think they went they played for. Yeah. Uh, and J- Jack Carty kicked the points, and um, they were never headed after that. They went in at seventeen fourteen. I I I don't know whether they were. It was hard to know whether the uh, Shane Delahunt replacement by Dave Heffernan and Dominic Robertson McCoy by Connor Kenny were. Were tactical substitutions or injury substitutions? It was hard to say. The players didn't look injured coming off. No, I think they were tactical. We could hear that because because there wasn't a huge amount of people on the ground. We could hear quite a lot of what was being said um, on yeah. through the TV. And both were because the ref asked, "Are they injuries or tactical?" And on both occasions, it came out as tactical. And certainly yeah. tactically, they were very good good decisions. Absolutely, they were. And then Jack Carty came into his own in the second half. He was playing very nicely up to that anyway. But he started to move the Kings around. He scored a good try. Great attempt at a conversion. Just clipped the, the outside of the post. And Connacht were just a lot smarter in the second half. And they, you know, at times they were scrummaging with seven. And they were taking, they were putting Colby Fianga sort of as a, a dummy centre. Mm. They, they just kind of ground the Kings down. And eventually they got the, the, the bonus point try was a penalty try, which was coming for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, was all involved with a bizarre bit of refereeing again. For a ref, Mr. Chenwelly, I think he did okay. He was he communicated well, but they got into an awful mix about uh, trying to get somebody yellow carded for the Kings because they were giving away. I reckon it was six penalties yeah. in about nine minutes on their own line. Mm. But I'm pretty certain they got the wrong person. And as Morgan explained, he he, he thinks that Connacht might have. Uh, suggested a number and they went for it. I don't know. Connacht were quite disturbed by the red card. I assume they were so surprised by it. Um, yeah. And territory and possession went quite a lot a lot away in, in the Kings' favour. But by the end of the game, Connacht had 61% possession and 65% territory. Like, when you're playing 60 minutes of a game with 14 players and, and, and maybe another, what, 10 or 12 minutes with 13, that's a, that's a hell of a stat to control a game. And they did it brilliantly. And Connor Kenny was excellent when he came on because Dominic Roberts and McCoy... Was in a bit of trouble in the scrum. Yep, he absolutely. Connor Kenny was excellent. Uh, I thought uh, Colby Fanga had a big game as well. Mm-hmm. And both scrum halves did the right stuff, played in their own way. Um, because Caelan Blade was just trying to speed the game up and then he slowed it down a couple of times. Connor were very, very clever. And Jack Harty was there pulling the strings and just kicked at the right time. And they, they ground it out. I, I'm tempted to say against a better side, you might have had to do a bit more. The Kings are pretty bang average. You can see why they've only won one game this season. Yeah. I know they have a lot of home games to come. Um, I'm not sure they benefit by playing in that big stadium because there was nobody there. They might actually get more of an atmosphere at the smaller ground. Mm. But uh, look, Connacht, uh, this was a three-game set. Uh Andy Friend was very blunt. He wanted three wins, and he said, if they don't get two wins, we have a real problem. Well, he's got two wins. He's got 10 points out of 15. Yeah. And that's, you know, you take that. 
But the concern I have is, and I suppose they have as well, in the middle of those two fairly decent performances, particularly the one against Cardiff, which is a very good performance, uh, you've got the Edinburgh performance. And then you look at Friday night and Cardiff went up to Edinburgh. And first of all, we had a referee who refereed the breakdown, which mm. kind of slowed Edinburgh's gallop a bit. have to say, I don't like bagging referees, but it's a totally different setup to what they were yeah. having against us, where it was just a mad free-for-all. Um, but Cardiff probably, Cardiff came away from that game with nothing. As Scarlet did yesterday, and 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 this is important now. It is, yeah, yeah, hugely so. You know, like it's you know that's that's almost knocked Cardiff out of the out of the competition because they have to play Scarlets in a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, in, in three or four weeks, they, they they have to play against each other. And like, of course, we Scarlets up next, and we're only a couple of points behind them. But of yeah. course, the the coronavirus could have an impact because we've two games that we're supposed to play in Italy, and if they go to nil all draws, that's that's only four points in total. And you'd expect to be getting more from that, where Scarlet's only have one trip to Italy on their the remaining thing. So we, we might lose out there. That's that's the, the, the great unknown. Um, the Dragons play uh, Benetton. That that game has been refixed for Friday evening in Rodney Parade. I can only assume that that ground cannot take much more water. It was like playing on a, a mud bath yesterday yeah. in a fair, fair play to both sides. And it... I thought the Cheetahs handled it really well because I'm sure some of those players have never seen conditions <laughs> like that. And there was also a howling gale yeah. <laughs> blowing from one end. But the Italian situation, it's just very complicated. Pro 14 made out a statement the media got a hold of last Thursday or Friday. It's a very long, complex statement covering all angles. But essentially, you feel that if these games are are not played, they will not be refixed. They'll be declared nil-nil draws, and both sides will get two points. And the option of playing them behind closed doors might now be gone because Syria A and Italy have decided that that's not viable, or the Italian government have said they're not prepared. I we'll just have to wait and see. It's an evolving situation. If you've booked if you've booked to travel, I'd be checking your travel insurance. And what I think everybody's sort of looking for is a travel ban to be put in um, at governmental level that says you just can't go, you can't fly, and then your travel insurance should pick it up. If that doesn't happen, very complicated. The Six Nations game in Paris now that Ireland are due to play looks highly unlikely to take place. France has banned all gatherings of more than 5,000 people. Uh, the half marathon today in Paris was cancelled at very short notice. It was only cancelled yesterday evening. So it's just a fluid situation. And we all know how crowded this rugby calendar is. There's no space for anything. The Six Nations will have to be finished out because I think they need the placings to organise seedings for the World Cup. So we could be playing Six Nations rugby in late September or early October. That's going to really disrupt the pre-season for all the teams in any of the countries that are involved. It's also going to get on top of the start of the Champions Cup. It's it's difficult times. Look, it's only sport, Alan. There's there's a lot more at play here, but uh, it could be it could be really tricky. There's big events. Um, European Soccer Championship has been played over 12 cities, mm-hmm. four big games in Dublin. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll await. It's, it's an Olympics year. You know, it's, 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 
it's, it's huge so it, it's going to be fascinating to see like I, I saw there was talks in Britain the, the Home Secretary I think was mentioning about the fact that they might be looking at the possibility of closing off cities because you know having read into this the whole thing with the, with the virus is to try and contain it is, yep. is the most important thing um, so it's I think yeah as you say this is only sport but this is what we love so we're going to keep talking about it <laughs> Well, uh, we we may be reduced to talking about it. <laughs> that might be is there might be any of it going on, but that won't be a problem. We we we, we keep talking, um, and obviously we, we're going on another break. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm really not sure about this season. I think they've uh, the way this has been laid out. It looks more peculiar as time passes, even allowing for coronavirus. But this game against the Scarlets on the 20th of March is. It's not quite season-defining, but it is season-shaping in a huge way. Yeah. Uh, um, because, to be honest with you, yesterday they were doing okay until they had a, a player sent off for throwing a couple of punches. I, I don't know. I've forgotten his name. He's, he's a Tongan player. He looked absolutely crestfallen. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. But yeah, um, It looked as though it had died down. The event looked as though it had died down, and he suddenly just threw a punch and then threw a second one. It was the second one that really connected. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, but it's I mean, that, that that allowed Munster to kick on, and you know, great great stuff again for Connacht because the Scarlets came away with nothing from that game, so they're going to come here, and realistically, Connacht are going to have to send them packing with nothing either. Yes, Connacht will take four points in that game, but they don't want Scarlets getting anything, oh, and that's that's, that's, yeah, that's that's very important. You know, if you look at the, their run in is is quite difficult, but I think it's slightly more difficult to ours because I'm looking at their run in being. They have the Dragons at home, Kings away, but after that they have Cardiff, Treviso away, allegedly, then Leinster, Munster and Ospreys. That's a hell of a three last three games of the season. That's a tough one, but I'll throw something else at you. They could be without their Welsh players because Wales and Scotland will probably play uh, on the last weekend of the um, Six Nations. Right. But I don't think Ireland will play in Paris, so we could be oh, yeah. fully ready because... Um, you know, and that, and that could just fall for you. And if it does, it does. But it's it's quite possible that that, that they could be without. I see Liam Liam Williams has, has gone back to join them, mm. uh, but he is injured at the moment. But he's available from now. He's he's no longer a Scarlet or Saracens. Saracens registered player. So that that's all in the mix as well. Um, and that 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 game is absolutely huge. 20th of March, it's going to be a, hopefully a cracking game, but it's going to be so important, especially if these games in Italy become uh, a game where Connacht would, would, you know, they would pick up four points out of a possible ten. Yeah. That's probably not enough. They would have been probably saying, can we see if we could get six points? They'd obviously yeah. want ten out of it. But if they got a win with a bonus point and a bonus point defeat or something, you'd get six points and it'll come down to a point here or there, really. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's it's going to be incredibly tight. Like it's, but at least the the best thing about today, but yeah, the best thing about today is that we're still in the hunt, very much in the hunt. The, the downsides there were there were looked like a number of injuries. It wasn't there was a number of tactical substitutions? But Kieran Marmion went off, having come back on. He looked injured, um, and Matt Healy was the was the second one. Yeah, and, and we don't know how long Peter Robb will get a suspension if he gets one, because hopefully that red card is rescinded. Well, I'm, uh, that, to me, that has to be rescinded. I, I mean, I would be amazed if it's not rescinded. But then I was amazed he got a red card in the first place. But <laughs> I, I think, I think if you if you just listen to the conversation, I mean, it's so. And Morgan made the point there when we were talking to him that 
they really, if you're looking at a screen in front of you and you've made a decision, you really got to say to the referee, look, I think you need to look at this again. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't think it's red. Would you just look at it again? Yeah. Maybe it's time to have monitors on the sidelines for the referees that they can go and look at it like you see in American football and other sports where you can actually go. Yeah. It, adds, it, it'll, it won't add to the confusion because it already takes time to get these decisions made. It does, yeah. Well, they give, they give them a high-quality screen where they can see it rather than some of these screens which aren't as, uh, don't have the high definition well, that you'd I, like. I suspect he was struggling to see that screen today because of the sun. Yes. To make an erroneous decision, maybe the TMO should have just said to him, I'm sorry, I, I don't think that was red. I yeah. mean, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to look at this. Because mm. he explained it to him in great detail, because on the TV coverage, we, 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 did, we did a good referee feed today. And um, it could have been very costly, but look, Connacht will get on their plane tomorrow and they'll come back with the five points and um, they'll reflect on their eighth win in nine matches against South African opposition, they've never lost to the Kings, and uh, they can get prepared for the for the Scarlets here in the twentieth of March. They certainly can. We live it there. Great stuff. Thanks, William. And that's it for this week's podcast. A big thank you to our sponsors, Murky Rabbits. And don't forget that the Connacht Clan annual table quiz is happening in Murky Rabbits on Thursday, the fifth of March, at eight o'clock. Looking forward to seeing you all there. So the next podcast will be the midweek prior to the huge game against the Scarlets, which happens on the 20th of March. We'll talk to you then. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Sad and confused. Don't wait until...